Lord, thank you for tonight. God, thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for, Lord, this time that we can meet together with you, Lord, because we're hungry for you. We're hungry for your word, God. We need a, a, a filling, Lord, of, of, of your word tonight, God. We need, we need to tank up our, our, our gas tank, Lord, with your Holy Spirit and with your word. So I ask, God, that you would bless us, that you would speak to us, Lord. God, that we would be open to you. We learn to trust you, God, and we learn to even surrender more of our lives to you tonight. So, God, go deeper, Lord. We are open before you. We are listening. Anoint this time with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, a young man joined a monastery as a monk and took a vow of silence for 10 years. After the end of his first 10 years, his superior called him in and asked, Do you have anything to say? Well, the monk replied with two words, bad food. After another 10 years, the monk again had opportunity to voice his thoughts. 10 years went by, and when he came before his superior, he said two words, hard bed. Well, another 10 years went by, and again, he was called in before his superior. When he, asked if, when he, when he was asked if he had anything to say, he said, I quit. Then in response, his superior said, that doesn't surprise me at all, because ever since you got here, you've done nothing but complain. <laughs> well, sometimes that's all we hear, right, is complaining coming out of our mouths. But what do you think God thinks about that when we complain? Well, as we continue our verse-by-verse -verse study through the book of Philippians, God calls on all believers to a different attitude and to not constantly grumble for he Paul's going to tell us this is going to make you a bright witness in this dark and sinful world so that's what we're going to see tonight I titled our message stop grumbling stop grumbling we're going to be studying Philippians chapter 2 3 verses from 14 through 16 as we pick it up here uh, after he left off in verse 13 and so 14 through 16 tonight Philippians chapter 2 and here's our outline Number one is switch the attitude. Number two, shine as lights. And number three, show the gospel. So those are our headings tonight. Our title again, Stop Grumbling. Well, let's take a look at our heading number one, switch the attitude, switch the attitude. And take a look at verse 14 with me here. It says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. And we'll stop right there. Now, we begin with the Apostle Paul writing, do all things. What things? What is he talking about? Well, this really refers back to what we studied in the verses above, verse 12 and 13. That is to live out this transformed life. Remember last week, our title was Work Out What God Works In. If you missed it, catch the podcast uh, and listen to it and catch up here. But remember our title, Work Out What God Works In, how God is transformed us on the inside in salvation when he when jesus came into our life and now as a new creation we are to live out who we are now as a believer in jesus christ so when paul comes into verse 14 here he's saying do all things it means live out this christian life everything that you have to do in living out this christian life live it out how well he says without grumbling or disputing now this is the attitude Believers are to work out in their salvation. We are to have this attitude and it's supposed to 
to come out in this way. It manifests, this attitude, good attitude, will manifest itself without grumbling or disputing. The word grumbling in the original language is gongusmos. It's a Greek word that actually sounds like what it means. It means to mutter in complaint or grumbling under your breath. So maybe it was like, you know, kind of, kind of thing. Well, that, that speaks of this bad attitude you have, and it, it's expressed itself in this constant complaining that comes out, this grumbling. The word disputing, it means questioning or doubting or fleshly like criticisms. The NLT renders it simply arguing. It's to have this constant like argumentative sort of attitude and that kind of coming out all the time. So Paul puts out here, in everything you do, in every way you live, as you live out this Christian life, do it without the attitude of this constant complaining and arguing. So as believers now, we are to switch the attitude. That's our heading, right? Switch this attitude now. Stop grumbling. Remember now, there's a division going on in the church at Philippi. Paul had, in this chapter, remember at the beginning we saw, uh, he put a call out to unity, right? That was that first part of this chapter. And then Paul exhorted believers to think of others first, right? By humbling yourself, putting yourself and pride aside, and be mindful of the other person first. And then Paul, you remember, went on to give the example of the amazing humility of Jesus in that next section who is what? Our role model on how to live out this new life in humility and thinking of others first in that way. And then last time, right, we were to work this out, work out what he had worked in, this salvation, who we are. So here Paul continues to say, hey, grumbling and disputing, you know what? That does not promote unity. It doesn't go along. Complaining and arguing is not thinking of others first. It really is. It's really a selfish kind of prideful thing that you're doing. It, it goes on, Paul saying, grumbling and disputing shows you're not really following the example of Jesus. So you see how this all flows together here. I mean, can you imagine Christ complaining? No, we can't, right? We can't, we can't see that, right? I mean, did we ever hear Jesus say, like when he came to this earth as a human being, I can't believe the Father would want me to live in this stinking body, you know, and live around these smelly people, you know, I was thinking... Yeah, I mean, I know they won't make showers till later, but, you know, really, a month, no showers, you know, kind of thing, right? We would never complain like that. When he healed someone, would he say, like, all right, shaking his head, I'll heal you anyway, you faithless bunch of losers, you know, <laughs> whatever. No, that's not Christ, right? Or when he was dying on the cross, cross, did we hear him say, after all I've done for you, you still turn on me? I can't believe it. Father, you still want me to die for them, really? Okay, here we go. And maybe like, yeah, all right, your will be done, I guess. You know, that's not Christ, right? That's not how he led us. So Jesus never complained. He never argued with the Father. There was no ugliness like that. It was not his character. So in the same way, that's with us too. That's why Paul's flowing into this place now about we are not to we need to switch our attitude and we need to do th things without the attitude of constant complaining and argue, arguing here you know in first peter 4 9 it says show hospitality to one another without grumbling 
And, you know, I was, I was thinking about that because, you know, God calls us to show love and hospitality, but sometimes we can be two-faced about that, right? Like, we're, we're like all nice, nice on one side, but when you turn around and go, oh, man, you know, on one side we're like, sure, God, yeah, we'll do it, you know, but then under our breath we're really like, you know, we take the mask off when we turn around like, oh, yeah, right, <laughs> whatever, okay, here you go, you know, right? We can be that way. So when I talk about attitude, it goes all the way down inside of us, not just what comes out on the outside. So here's what Paul is saying in this verse. No longer let the constant complaining and arguing be part of your life in Jesus. No longer let the constant complaining and arguing be a part of your life in Jesus. You know who the first complainer in the Bible was? It was Adam. You know what he said? This for my rib? No, just joking. No. no, you know what he said? He blamed his wife Eve for sin. Right? In Genesis 3, 12, he says, The woman you gave to me, to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate it. Look what she did, kind of thing, right? Moses complained when the Lord didn't deliver Israel right away in Exodus 5, 22 and 23. He says, Oh Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? You know, because they didn't accept them at first and, and, and the Pharaoh shut him down. Well, how about Israel, right? You, well, we know Israel, right? How much they complain in the wilderness. Let me give you some examples. Exodus 15, after the whole Red Sea miracle, three days later, they're in that area and they came to the water of Mara, they call it, because it was bitter and it was undrinkable. They started to complain. Just three days after the huge miracle of the Red Sea. In Exodus 16, they grumbled about the supposed lack of food. And then God started to give them manna, right? Exodus 17, they complained again about the lack of water. In Exodus 32, they got tired of waiting for Moses to come down and say, Hey, Moses, we're just tired of him. Forget him. And they made a golden calf, right? Numbers 12, Aaron and Miriam complain about Moses' leadership. In Numbers 14, they complain about the giants in the promise land. Oh, no, we can't do it. We can't do this. We can't do that, right? And then in Numbers 14, after that, they complain about Moses' leadership. You let us hear what, and they wanted to kill him. In Numbers uh, 16, the key leaders in Israel complain about Moses, his leadership, and rebelled against him. But what happened? The ground opened up and swallowed them, them up, right? And then after that, in, in number 1641, then the people complain about Moses, that you killed God's leaders, you killed God's people there. In Numbers 20, they complain about being thirsty again. Well, there's no water, we can't drink. In Numbers 21, one more, Moses changed direction after they had come right to the border of the promised land, changed direction, went going around a different way, and the people complained, to both Moses and God. There's no water. There's no food here. We're going to die here. And you know what they called manna? Worthless food. Crazy, huh? God sent, that was when God sent the serpents in judgment. But whoever looked at the bronze serpent right on, on the stick where it was healed and it looked to Jesus Christ and it was an act of faith and all that. But do you see all this over and over complaining? So you can see how bad complaining is how bad grumbling is so you can see how fleshly and sinful it is before the lord and i'll tell you that's why it's so easy for us and me too you know to fall into that 
because it's our flesh. It's that sinful flesh, you know, still in us. Let me ask you this. Are you one of those who complain plenty? Are you giving yourselves into complaining? Or are you one of those who no matter how good something is, you, how good it might be, you always seem to find something to complain about? I mean, is that really of the Spirit or not? I like something Isaac Singer once said. If you keep on saying things are going to be bad, you have a good chance of being a prophet. <laughs> Maybe you're the one who's ruining it, ruining it for everyone. Listen, a complaining spirit or that attitude, it's really actually very dangerous. And, and, and one reason is because it's infectious. It's very easy to join in on that rant. It's very easy for our flesh to fall into that and for, 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 for all of us, so you get people to jump on your bandwagon and focus on the bad. Another thing, it's easy. I mean, it, it is not easy. It is working against what God is trying to work out, right? Remember what we learned last week? to live out who we are in Jesus, to, to work out into our lives what God has worked in. And right after that, he's talking about, hey, you know, do everything, do all things without complaining, without the disputing and arguing, without the grumbling and all. That's what God is trying to work out of us. So it, 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 it goes against what God is trying to do. And another thing it is, it, it is a lack of faith and trust in God's sovereignty. Think about that. It's a lack of faith and trust in God's sovereignty. I mean, God has his plan. He has his purposes. Um, um, we get into situations or things come in front of us. And some, yeah, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's terrible. Sometimes it's, oh, it's inconvenient sometimes. But God is sovereign and he's trying to do something in that. Maybe trying to teach us something. Think about Paul writing this here. Where is he? You remember? He's in jail, right? He's incarcerated at this moment writing this. Was he complaining? No. Instead, you know what we'll see later, that the attitude that he pushed and promoted, it's found in, well, look over in Philippians, Philippians chapter 4, verse, verse, Philippians 4, verse 4, I believe. Yeah, Philippians 4, verse 4. Here's his attitude. Rejoice in the Lord Always, again, I say, rejoice. That's the attitude. That's what we are to carry. Uh, in, uh, I think it was in the Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, he said, you know, always giving thanks, continually to give thanks. That's the attitude. That's what we need to hold. We need to live this life out and stop complaining and arguing. I read about a businessman who cho chooses his applicants by this criteria. 5% on availability, 5% on adaptability, 5% on ability, and then the remaining 85% is on attitude. That's what really counts here too, you guys, is our attitude. So we need to switch the attitude and we need to stop grumbling. Well, let's go on to number two here now. Number two, number two, shine as lights shine as lights. We're going to look at verse 15 here. We've seen stop grumbling, 
Switched attitude, now number two, shine his lights. Look at verse 15. It says, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Now, as we go on here, the reason it's so important to stop grumbling and disputing, to, to do everything without that, is so that you would be a believer that may be able to be blameless, Paul says here. The word there means beyond reproach. It's not being sinless, but it's, it means like not easily accused of doing wrong. That, that's the idea. Also, believers are to be innocent. Uh, that means unmixed or kosher. In other words, morally pure, not mixed with evil, evil you know, more godliness and all. And to be without blemish, without spot, like the sacrifice lamb. It speaks of purity, basically. So this kind of Christian, Paul is saying, the one who is blameless, innocent, without blemish, these are the children of God. They, they are children of the Heavenly Father. And that's what we show when we are blameless, when, when we are innocent, when we are without blemish. So let's connect it to our verse in, that we just looked at. So to stop grumbling is to live like children of God. That's what Paul is rolling into here. Ephesians 5.1 says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. So when we walk like this, as children of God, we walk in the midst, he goes on to say in this verse, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. The word crooked is the Greek word uh, scolios, scolios, where we get our English word scoliosis, the curvature of the, of the spine. It means a deviation. It means here a deviation from the truth. They're crooked. They, they deviated from the truth of God. And twisted means perverted or corrupted. They corrupted. They brought evil into and that generation really refers to the world, right? The people in the world. Paul is actually uh, quoting Moses in Deuteronomy 32.5, talking about how Israel had left God's ways and become a crooked and twisted generation. He basically just quotes uh, Moses there in Deuteronomy 32. And so Paul's saying, look, against this crooked and perverse, corrupt and deviated world, against that, against this generation, against this dark backdrop, so to speak, believers are to shine as lights in the world. Interesting, the word shine in original means to illuminate, and they would use that Greek word to speak about stars in the night sky. So you get the idea here, right? The basic idea is when we stop grumbling, when we walk as children of God, it makes us shine bright, yeah? It makes us shine in this a white, bright light of Jesus, basically, out in this dark world of sin. So when believers stop grumbling and become who you are, then truly you shine as lights are heading. The pastor writer Sinclair Ferguson said, Christian witness is dependent not merely on what we say, but on what we are. And that's who we are. We're, we're, we're Jesus people. We're Jesus is in us. We're Christians. We're believers. And, and so that needs to come out. And that, that means stop grumbling. Have a good attitude. And then you know what happens? We shine as lights in this dark world. So Paul's saying in this verse, 
When you live as a child of God and minus the constant complaining, you will then shine brightly into this dark world. When you live as a child of God and minus the constant complaining, you will then shine brightly into this dark world. You know, near uh, in London, England, near Buckingham Palace and Kensington Palace, uh, there's left 1,500 old gas lamps from the early 1800s. Back then, um, no electricity. This is before electricity, and so they used gas to, to light up the street lights with these street lamps and all. It was better than oil that they were using, and this was like new technology for 1800s. Well, when they started to, to light uh, all the streets in London with these gas lamps and all, a new career, a new job began back then, and that was a job for lamp lighters. You've probably heard about these guys, right? Their job was to light all the street lamps at dusk and then put the flame out at dawn. So they go, go by and had a long pole to spark the flame. And then they also brought with them a ladder to put against the pole to climb up and clean the glass on the lantern because it could build up with soot soot and all that you know and it wouldn't shine as bright so they had to keep it clean so it, it would shine the brightest through that glass well i was thinking about that that's what believers need to do also that is we need to maintain the light of jesus inside us well you know keeping the glass of that lantern clean by removing that soot of grumbling complaining always disputing that kind of attitude that darkens that light. Is the light of Jesus not shining as brightly as it should be? Because maybe you're giving yourself into this kind of attitude. You know, God has been working on us all these weeks on Wednesday night. And, and, and I just see even more as he's asking us to reel in the flesh here. Re you know, say no to the flesh. Don't let the flesh have rule and reign here. Let's change our attitude. You know, minus it out of our, our lives. Stop this complaining. Stop this, this, this bickering and, and arguing and all that. You know, I, some people only have, the, or the only way of making conversation is by complaining. You ever meet someone like that? You know, or have you met, you know, someone where like, when you don't know what to say, what do you do? You know, oh, you, you just start complaining. It's a default to the negative it's a default to this fleshly kind of thing and we have to be careful of that we cannot we cannot do that we got to shine in the darkness we we, we got to shine out god's light in that you know i i could say um that i was thinking about this how i got caught up in that kind of darkness too for a while and i was thinking wow gosh i got caught up into this complaining or 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 i you know, looking at people like this and saying, well, yeah, they're like this and like that. And then just this continual thing, I thought, when I'm reading this, I go, wow, Lord, I was caught up in the darkness. And you want us to be lights here. You want us to be different. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So we got to let our light shine brightly. Don't let the dark, grumbling darken that light. You see, when a Christian walks around and they're, they're like this complaining, they're like that, it's confusing because most people expect, right, for us Christians 
to be more light, right? I read this story about a large family who sat around the breakfast table one morning. As the custom, the father prayed for the meal, gave thanks to God for the food, and asked the Lord to bless the food. But then as they were eating, immediately after, as his bad habit was, he began to grumble about the poor quality of the food he was forced to eat, about how it was cooked, about the quality of the coffee, and how he even wished he had something else to eat. Well, in the middle of his, his just habit of going on like this, his daughter, inter- his little daughter interrupted him and said, Daddy, did God hear what you said a little while ago when you were giving thanks and praying? Yes, the father replied, trying to, you know, like teach the girl, yes, God hears this kind of thing. And the little daughter says, did he hear what, what you said about the bacon, the eggs, the food, and the coffee? Of course, said the father with a note of hesitation in his voice. Then his daughter asked, Daddy, which did God believe? So think of someone in the world. Think of what they would think when they hear you, a professed believer, complain and grumble. We've got to shine as lights. All right, let's go on to number three. Show the gospel. Show the gospel. Uh, we've seen stop grumbling and number one, switch the attitude. Number two, shine as lights and now show the gospel. Our last verse here, Philippians chapter 2, verse 16. Holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Okay, so as believers, as children of God, shining lights by not grumbling, no. believers are to hold. Uh, believers are holding fast. Now, now that uh, original word actually uh, probably is better translated "holding forth." In the Greek culture, this word was used when someone offered, say, a drink to a guest. So you get this idea. So believers are like offering the word of life, which is what the gospel, right, to a dying world. The gospel who could give us eternal life. The gospel who could give us abundant life in the Holy Spirit. So it is the truth of God's word in the gospel that brings about this, this, this abundant life. So this is what we're offering. This is the word of life here. But take note, holding fast can also mean holding firmly, like what's translated here in the ESV. And so I was thinking about this and some of the commentators writing this too. I think, I think it's both. You know, I, I think it could be both because as believers hold firmly to the truth of what the gospel does, being grounded in the truth, being obedient, right, to not complain and to grumble and all that, then what happens when they hold to that, then believers hold forth the life-giving truths of God's word. So, as we hold or do our best to stop grumbling, we show what the gospel does in, in a transforming life. That, that's the idea. We're, we're showing forth in our lives and how we live, how we comp- carry ourselves, what we're working out from what God worked in. We're showing this is a transformed life, and this is, th- this is what we do. We show the gospel our heading. Paul lived what he said in Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Right? That's the power of God who has saved us, changed us, and, and we are who we are today, free, you know, free from sin in the flesh, and, and we're changed people now. That's the power of the gospel. This is what Paul is talking about. 
And so, as the Philippian believers lived out their transferred lives and held out that word of life for all to see, then Paul goes on here in this verse, on the day of Christ. Now, that refers to the rapture, basically, when we come before Jesus Christ. When believers are basically given their their reward, you know, the beam of seat of judgment there. At that time, Paul says, you know, I'm going to be proud or I'm going to find satisfaction in all that I did for Jesus to bring the gospel to you guys, the Philippians. And that he will see when they when he sees the Philippians who who have lived this out, who who be, who lived out who they are, that he did not run in vain or labor in vain. In other words, all his efforts was not a waste because the Philippians did receive Jesus and did live that transformed life. So when the Philippians show the gospel by not grumbling, then when Christ comes, Paul basically, he'll be blessed that his efforts in bringing the gospel were not, to, not uh, gone to waste. See, as Paul rejoiced in the Lord, he didn't grumble either like Jesus, right? He helped for it and showed what the gospel can do. So when the Philippians, when they stop their grumbling, hold forth what the gospel can do in their life, then others will come to see that Jesus truly can transform lives. Remember, the Philippian church here, right, is battling that division going on. And, and if an unsafe person comes in and sees all this, what are they going to say? Wow, this, this is no different than... You know, what I, or, or that my life or what I, what I see in my family or out in the world. But if they walk in and see people not grumbling, not bickering, actually loving each other, thinking of others first, not their own needs and own, own things and respecting one another, receiving one another without any complaints, then the unsaved will see that the gospel truly saves and truly changes people. And that, that, that's that idea that Paul's putting here. So our last point is this, show how powerful the transforming power of the gospel is by making the choice not to bicker and complain. Show how powerful the transforming power of the gospel is by making the choice to not bicker and complain. Remember you guys, um, God has freed us from the flesh, right? God has brought us to this place where uh, we can make a choice, Romans 6, right? To yield ourselves to be slaves of righteousness or to be slaves of unrighteousness. That means we have a choice. When Christ died and we died with Him and we rose again, uh, uh, when Jesus rose again, we rose up into this new life. And now we're free to make that choice. So Paul's like, hey, show how powerful the transforming power of the gospel is by making that choice. Don't grumble. Don't complain. Don't dispute and bicker and get into it and just have this attitude all the time. You know, several of you have told me what uh, you experienced at our, as a couple at our, la at our marriage retreat, you know, a few years back. And, and when it came, you know, there came to that time where we got to sit down and talk with our spouse one-on-one -on -one and talk through some deep issues. You know, the, the great thing many of you guys shared with me was we were able to do it without the arguing, you know. We were able to do it without that bickering and those defensive walls and lobbing those missiles, you know, over the walls and all, all that, right. We are able to talk things out. Why? Well, because God was moving in retreat, speaking to us and humbling us and bringing us to that place. You, you know what? 
where we can make the choice and and say, no, I'm not going to give in to the flesh here. I, 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 I love my spouse. I love my wife. I love my husband. Let, let's work this out, you know. And, and, and the spirit was moving. And we as new creations were moving in it. And God was, was prompting us and strengthening us to do those things. And that's that choice we make in that same way. What God calls you to do, God gives you the ability to do, especially to find victory in living this new life. So as we've been talking about this, about grumbling, complaining, arguing, bickering, that, that kind of, you know, fleshly kind of, kind of that, that, that kind of stuff, you know, we need to take that and put it at, bring it to the foot of the cross, basically. Yeah? We need to come to the Lord and confess our sins and just, God, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I've been allowing this. I've been habitually doing this. I've been, I've been, I've been doing it so much. It's like, I can't, I can't tell when it's not me, the new me or not. It's just so intertwined. Help me, Lord. We need to find forgiveness and move forward and move into all that God has for us. Remember, he, he's, he's working out what he's worked in. He, he's made us these new creations, these people. He's putting these desires in our heart like we studied last time. Because this is what saved people do. This is what we are to do, to hold forth that word of life. Let's show that we are transformed people, that we're different now, that, that we're not like that anymore. You know, as we close, I was thinking about how these verses, it, it should tonight impact us. It should change our view. You know, next time we're, we're about to say something. Next time it's starting to roll in our mind. Well, it should change us. It should remind us tonight of who we are and who we are not. We need to watch those things. Remember, your outlook will determine your outcome. Remember that? Well, let me add something to that. Your attitude will determine your altitude. Your attitude will determine your altitude. How high you'll grow spiritually. How, how strong you'll go. How close to the Lord. How bright you'll shine. Let's change this complaining kind of attitude. And, and let's begin to live in the Spirit. Walk in the Lord. Let's be joyful more. Let's be thankful more. Let, let's not quench the Spirit in, these, in this way. Let's change that attitude. I'm going to close with something that Chuck Swindoll wrote. He said, The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude in life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It is more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one thing we have, and that is our attitude. And then I like this. He, he, Chuck Sintal said this. I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me 
and 90% how I react to it. So it is with you, Swindoll says. We are in charge of our attitudes. So good, yeah? So good. So what about you? Will we grab control there? Will we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit, surrender more to Him, even in our attitudes, even in these little, these little things? Will we do that? Will we, will we change our attitude, especially with what we see here, with complaining, arguing, always into that stuff? Will we be a light and not clouded by that soot? Will we hold forth the gospel by just changing our attitudes? I don't know about you, but I want to. I'm convicted here. And I hope you will too. But let's together stop grumbling. Let's pray. Lord, as our heads are bowed and as we come before you, Lord, I just want to give everyone just a minute right now, just a, a moment of silence where uh, we can come to you and just confess our sins, lay at the cross, at the foot of the cross, Lord. These things that we know we've been doing, these things we've been maybe harping on we shouldn't, and, and just, just our flesh getting in the way. We want to ask for your forgiveness, Lord, as we bring them to the cross. So I want everyone right now to just uh, take a moment, just, just a moment of silence here, and just go before the Lord, and uh, just between you and the Lord, in, in, the, in the quietness of your heart and mind, just, uh, just confess to Him what you need to do confess. Lord God, help us with this because this kind of attitude can lead to other things, gossip, anger, hatred, bitterness, and, and it seems to all be attached. And Lord, forgive us for those things and, and just weed it out of us right now, Lord. Cleanse us now and help us to be those shining, pure, bright lights, Lord, without this. Help us to be real with you and, and help us to live the truth out, God, in what you're doing in us and what you're calling us to do. So, Jesus, we come to you right now and ask that you give us courage, Lord, to do the right thing. You, that you would give us the ability, God, to stop and free us, Lord from our fleshly, sinful flesh, God, and help us to truly live for you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.